Welcome to Box to Box Football. Welcome, everybody. Box to Box Football with J.J. Duke, Mike Samsel. Great to have you along with us. And, J.J., you'll appreciate this because I'm going to start with the story right off the top. My lovely fiance, Lindsay, is the one who voices our intro. Oh, really? Okay. And when Stu started the episode with Anthony, who worked for us last Thursday. Yes. Stu started the podcast by saying, welcome to Box to Box Football. And my fiance was furious. No, that is my line. Why is he saying the exact same thing that I just said? <laughs> she was like, that's my intro. Like, yep, is, nope, has, has Lindsay now, like, claimed full out, by the way, big appreciation to her for voicing the intro, but has she claimed monetary fees or anything oh, like yeah, that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Is, I have is to now Stu, like, I mean, Stu's missing this one, so I guess he's on a one-match ban, a one-show <laughs> ban. Okay. <laughs> that is correct. She, fair enough. She demanded justice, and uh, as you know, FIFA is incredibly just and fair, and they handed down a one-game suspension. Mm. For first, <laughs> so just me and JJ tonight. Great to have you along with us for this one, and quite a boring day, really, around the the football world yesterday. You know, no eighteen year olds scoring breathtaking last minute winners, no transfer drama. Just really everything, just pretty quiet in the world right now. Yeah, I mean, what a midweek round of Premier League matches? Something that we don't exactly have all that much, but because of the sort of split by week means we now have to squeeze in a match window in the midweek in like amidst all these teams trying to make moves which they're afraid to do so right before the window closes because who knows who's going to be under what penalties for financial fair play and other regulations so yeah kind of a just a quiet week no it's absolute chaos and let's not forget you know AFCON and Asian Cup are going on where African Cup of Nations, the last tournament to this tournament, there's a brand new slate of eight teams making the quarterfinals, didn't return one from the last tournament, so that's fun. I mean, yeah, the, the Messi apparently can't get on the field against Al Nasser and they lose 6-0, but hey, that's fine. That, that That's why this sport keeps rolling. But um, yeah, Mike, I guess kind of one of these uh, in and amongst the chaos the top four teams all held serve, which doesn't seem like that happens all that often. No, it doesn't. Arsenal got a 2-1 result over Nottingham Forest. That game happened on Tuesday. Man City, ho-hum, 3-1 win against Burnley. That one happened on Wednesday evening. Liverpool destroying all the goodwill that Chelsea had built up by reaching the semifinal of the EFL Cup defeating them four to one. Those were really the big results. Tottenham got a three, two result against Brentford. Really the one that faltered was Newcastle defeating Aston Villa three to one. And it's unfortunate for Villa, JJ. I'm going to kind of start there because Villa just continues to have these results that show everybody that they're just not quite there yet. I mean, them and, West Ham, I guess, kind of fitting yeah. because it's the two teams that have Claret in their jersey colors. Burnley as well, but, you know, they're kind of the tertiary team and all this. But, yeah, it's the teams that we were kind of nervous about at the start of the season, how they would perform. Really, the consistency has now started to show. Now, granted, have both teams performed exceptionally well to get to where they are? Of course. I mean, 
that this is now part and parcel of the game. If you're amongst the top six, you're going to get scrutinized every week. And when you lose a match, I mean, all the headlines are going to be about you, especially when the top four teams don't go. Now, admittedly, this was not one of my matches that I was really keying in on, especially on that day. But yeah, Newcastle with even further cloud about what's happening within their club at the moment, because they're, you know, they were looking to basically go mass exodus on trying to sell players, not really bring anything in. Well, Newcastle didn't really do anything. In fact, um, of the all note, they gave up Javier Manquillo and a free to Celta Vigo. That's really about it amongst a couple other loans. So good for Newcastle. Uh, this is a club that's still obviously very much within the realms of a lot of guys injured, but Fabian Scher getting himself a couple of goals, got a, you know that dagger within the first 10 minutes of the second half with an own goal. Villa, nice finish. I mean, Leon Bailey continues to be one of the more outstanding wingers in this division right now, and Ollie Watkins, comfortable finish for him. But yeah, it's just one of these things where Villa, They'll have two great games, one average game, one mediocre game, one average match, and then just recycle this. And that's where, again, as Sean Miller has alluded to a number of times, who isn't with us tonight, but that's the difference between the top four than all the teams that want to be in the top four. Yeah. And, and right now, Newcastle sitting on 32 points. They're currently eighth in the table. And we talked about their kind of financial fair play issues, and they need to get back close to that Champions League, at least Europa, or else it is going to be probably a mass exodus on Tyneside coming up this summer. Some of the other results from the Premier League over this midday match window, a nil-nil between Fulham and Everton. Crystal Palace got a 3-2 win over Sheffield. We mentioned Liverpool 4, Chelsea 1, West Ham and Bournemouth finish 1-1. But the two games I want to spotlight, JJ, because I know we each had an eye on them. Luton 4, Brighton nil, A huge, huge result for Luton Town. Getting them out of the relegation spots as of now. And Man United a 4-3 to victory in their game over Wolves. A game where just all kinds of everything broke loose down the stretch in that one. And with a moment of brilliance. The 18-year-old who Sean Miller has been mentioning on this podcast forever, Kobe Mainu, came through in a huge, huge finish. Yeah, I mean, that that was the epitome of the basketball game right there, especially in the second half. Because in the first half, um, Manchester United, and I've been kind of ho-hum about their season. I'm not the person that's going to be giving the the big overreactions. That's just not who I am 10 years ago. Yeah, but I've... uh, matured I think as a person or I just (laughs) only am here for vibes but no Manchester United the first 45 minutes I thought that was some of the most fluid football that they've played in a long long time especially in the league season where Marcus Rashford I mean there's been a lot of this Belfast gate or whatever you want to call it where apparently he was partying in Ireland or Northern Ireland um and gets dropped in the FA Cup match but now he's back in and he scores a goal immediately you know, slides over to the away end. And we're not really sure what the reaction was because the cameras never fully caught him. But, you know, you, you kind of figure it's one of these, I'm back, I never really left. Um, Hoyland gets himself on the score sheet, again, created the chance, which was Marcus Rashford. Then all of a sudden, after, you know, about another 25 minutes or so of 
kind of you expect Wolves a response, right? When you're yeah. down two nil at home, you expect a team that have been kind of very plucky this season that they did what they did. They were creating some half chances. Onana never really tested until a penalty, which was kind of a, a strange one because it didn't like look like Casemiro got a, a lot of the player in the box, but obviously it's the classic, you know, what is clear and obvious. We don't really know, but it was called Sarabia strokes at home. Okay. At that point, two, one McTominay comes on and the strangest stat of them all. He leads Manchester United with premier league goals this season with six. No, I, I think he's a guy that works hard for it. I, for him, it's more the six for him. Of course, it's crazy that he's leading the, the team right now in league goals, but you know he does what he does. He works his absolute socks off every time he comes onto the field. So he figures, you know, order restored, Wolf strike twice within the space of five game minutes, 10 minutes of reality because Pedro Neto goes right through the legs of a defender. Onana doesn't see it. And then literally United come back up the field and shades of Makeda. That goal over a decade ago. Yes, it was over a decade ago. Um, and, and then Kobe Maynou. I mean, it's a beautiful finish into the corner and goes and immediately celebrates over by the away end. And yeah, one of those things where United, you felt for an hour they were comfortable. They probably should have had more. They, in fact, had two goals wiped out for offside in the first half. Should have probably been five if we're being completely honest. And then that's been the trademark this season, not putting teams away that they should allow a team back fortunately they get the three points and you bet eric ten hog who continually to you know is under the gaze of the new ownership well it's not been official but it is going to be official um yeah he, he gets away with this one mike yeah they they escaped with that four to three win luton the huge four nil win they get out of the relegation zones as of now right now top of the table most teams on 21 or 22 matches liverpool leads the league 51 points 46 points for man city and arsenal in second and third respectively tottenham currently sitting in fourth villa in fifth they're both on 43 and tied with 14 goal differential as well west ham sits in sixth on 36 points then it goes united newcastle brighton chelsea finishing out the top 10 wolves bournemouth fulham crystal palace are 11 through 14 and then we kind of get into the relegation battle here on 22 points in 15th you have brentford nottingham forest on 20 points sit in 16th luton town finish or luton town currently on 19 points in 17th place everton in the drop zone at 18 points right now burnley and sheffield are pretty adrift 12 and 10 points respectively in 19th and 20th now there may be salvation on the way for those two clubs in terms of potential points deductions we're still keeping an eye on the financial fair play rulings on both everton and arsenal which has led to a pretty quiet january transfer window particularly in the premier league really the team that did the most business jj i would probably say is tottenham bringing in timo Werner. And Radu Dragasin, uh, Lucas Bergvall, who is a football manager favorite if you're building a young squad. Uh, he's making the move to Tottenham. That's not going to happen until July, though. He's going to stay in Sweden on loan through the rest of the season. Was there anybody else really that did any business that, that caught your eye other than Tottenham? 
Um, well, yeah, no, Tottenham definitely won the window in what is yeah. now one of the most quietest windows maybe in the last decade plus. Um, When's the last time anyone's ever said that phrase, by the way? Tottenham won the window. <sighs> yeah, fair point. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of interesting moves. I mean, that's when when you already hear the tone. You know it's like, wow, we're really starting yeah. to pick through the weeds here. Um, you know, Ines Unal, I think, is a fascinating one for Bournemouth, who I was a little surprised to see David Brooks get loaned out to Southampton because I know, yeah, he hasn't been getting as much run over the last couple of months, but I thought he's been a stalwart for the club. I know Southampton very much trying to bolster their squad to get back into the Premier League. That's not a, that's not a move you often see two South Coast teams trying to help each other out, but yeah. Unal could be a guy that could be not only someone that solidifies their spot in the Premier League this season, but with that option to buy one that's a little bit more favorable for the club, that could be an interesting piece. Um, Luton Town, I mean, they, they've done like some savvy business. Nothing that's crazy, but um, heard of the Daiki Hashioka who comes over from Belgium for a couple of million, could be a guy that could be one of those role players that could help, especially out on the wings. Modern football, obviously, now you want your wingbacks <clears throat> to get forward and make things happen. Um, Valentin Barco, we've known about this for a while with Brighton, yeah. but then they also lose Jeremy Sarmiento for the rest of the season as he's gone on loan with Ipswich Town. Though I think probably the um, the tug, the heartstrings one, Mike, would be Calvin Phillips. I mean, he finally is going to go to a place for the rest of the season in West Ham and get regular football. And we've seen Pep get very oddly emotional about a yeah. player that he knows that he kind of ruined the development of his career. And Calvin Phillips, who was one of the highest, you know, young prospects in all of England when he was doing his thing week in, week out for Leeds. And, you know, he fits perfectly in Pep's system and for whatever reason, just never got a game. And it's never that Phillips did anything wrong. He just never got in. So that's kind of a, a strange one. But hopefully for him, he gives depth because also we're not talking about league football, but we're talking about um, Europa League. We're going to be playing twice a week with West Ham. Right. Little surprise, West Ham didn't do more business, though, Mike, because I've said this before in previous episodes that for a club that still haven't completely used all the money, they, they've come close with what they got for Declan Rice and others. Um. I thought they could have done a little bit more. And apparently the, the Ben Rama thing that may or may not be settled when you guys are listening to this, um, there might be more information, but apparently the loan or the move to Leon didn't go through, but it did go through, but it hasn't officially gone through and it's too late. Classic. Someone's fax machine broke at 1159 PM. Um, yeah. Pablo I, I would have liked to send him out. Yeah. The I, I don't know. It's just more like, yeah, that that was one of the teams I expected more out of Brentford. They build up positions. I mean, Forest. Here we go. This is a club that's already under you know potential investigation. They bring in three, four players. I know, yeah, loans, but you know, again, they're they're doing a lot of work. And Scott McKenna, what a move for him, by the way. Leaves Nottingham Forest. He goes to Copenhagen, and he's probably going to be starting in a Champions League knockout match. Yeah, <laughs> like that's one of the more wild moves I've seen. I'm like, I know for a center back situation is just poor s at best. That's even me being kind. But yeah, I'd take that. I mean, yeah, you're going to freeze for a couple of months, but I'd rather be playing Champions League football <laughs> than fighting for relegation. 
Right. Yeah, that's that's certainly a, a good move for McKenna. Um, Kyle and I talked on this podcast about how we like the idea of Gio Reno staying away from the Premier League and going to Spain because that would suit his skill set much more. So naturally, he ends up in the Premier League with Nottingham Forest. As part of that deal, they also bring in uh, a- another 10 from the uh, from the Portuguese League, Ribeiro. He's another one that's coming in is Nuno Espirito Santo kind of tries to get his guys in there and, and keep that team up. They've also bought their third goalkeeper. Now Matt Sice in from France, a Belgian international uh, is going to be on that team as well. Who's going to be their starting keeper. They don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> No, no what, one what exactly it is that that is going on with them. I uh, thought a good cheeky piece of business was uh, Morgan Rogers, someone Man City Academy product making his way to Villa. And the, the last piece of business that I thought was just worth keeping an eye on a, a good move for Fulham, getting Armando Brogia in their big physical center forward. Not saying he's the skill level of Mitrovic, but if you buy Mitrovic on wish.com, Armando Brogia might be what shows up in the mail. Yeah, younger. Yeah, certainly, certainly younger. I mean, that's something that I, Fulham are kind of up there as one of the uh, elder statesman clubs in the Premier League. I mean, when you're thinking about Tim Ream, love Tim Ream. Pep thought he was 24. The guy's pushing 36. Um, <laughs> and there's a few other uh, Williams, obviously not getting any younger amongst other guys. So, yeah, get a few younger dudes. And I, I, I forgot to mention this, by the way, another piece of good business. Ben Brereton Diaz, who's already made a little bit of an impact at Sheffield United. It's a couple of games now where he's had a few goal contributions. I mean, this is yeah. a guy that's familiar. Obviously, he's he's a overseas international, but born in England. Uh, he comes back in from Villarreal. Didn't really get a kick there, but he was a stud at Black, Blackburn for like five, six seasons. So, you know, this is a guy that's very familiar with the region. Go right in, make an impact, and he's done that job i thought that was a nice little piece of business for sheffield is it going to help him stay up no but is it going to allow brerard and diaz to build his profile for maybe a better move coming the summer yeah yeah right now 18th and 19th we mentioned they're they're 10 and 12 points respectively so burnley and, and sheffield united are pretty adrift but then you know if the points deductions happen that'll reshuffle the table a little bit as well but I would even probably go as far as Crystal Palace in terms of like teams that are in the relegation battle right now. They probably have enough talent to to stay to stay up. But um, you know, Roy Hodgson was pretty upset with the media a couple of weeks back, and things just seem stale there in London. Yeah, they do. It's one of a couple of places that things seem kind of shaky and uneasy right now. But another club that you figure, ooh, could they have done a little bit of business? And you're you're almost pointing at the clubs of you know on one hand that aren't yeah. in any sort of financial issues, and House is one of them. You yeah. Know, where, and again, it's the the strange one of January. What can you truly get from this window? I'm not quite sure. Loans are obviously kind of the the popular thing at the moment, but you know, with Eze and Elise seemingly back on in good form at the moment, but you, you figure that they need a little bit more firepower up there. Another center half could be could have been in the mix, but yeah, just another team that's quite out. So um, 
you know, for Manchester United, I, I thought it was really interesting. It was um, Palistri's agent coming out with some fascinating information in the last 24 hours or so as he was one of a half dozen players that were yeah. loaned out with a few that are option to buys. And you know, it seems like there's more rumblings going on in the back room of that Ten Hag has completely lost that dressing room, which I can't wait for the book. Mike to come out but what happened between the, <laughs> what happened between the end of the 22-23 season the start of the 23-24 campaign because I mean they played some good football then but gosh that that group looks uh out of whack at the moment you and I by the way I know this is not Premier League but since we're here talking about it I did say that Ipswich needed that target striker Kiefer Moore coming in at six yep. foot a million I mean, perfect oh that's a guy that uh Leif Davis can just serve balls to and Connor Chaplin can play off. Sorry about um was it Sinisi, I think it was that didn't get yeah, Stefano Sensi. That was that was a weird one. Um Lester is still really scared of financial fair play, so much so that I mean you're you're talking about a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe a million that that was the difference between this deal not getting done. You know, obviously Sensi would be someone who is going to come in on, on pretty big wages for a championship player, but um, a little, little nervy that Lester shied away from that one as they hopefully kind of get themselves back to the premier league. Someone in our Philadelphia Foxes group chat and shout out to the Philly Foxes kind of figured out that Lester's number for magic number for promotion is 44 points either gained or dropped. And interesting. They play Southampton in March and if Southampton drop a couple of games, that game in March could be to clinch promotion for Leicester City. And we're talking the end of March, and the Foxes could already secure promotion. So That would be huge. That would be big. So certainly keeping an eye on that one in the championship. But you mentioned Man United, and they got a big one this week, an important game in those kind of European spots. And even if the Premier League is able to get that fifth Champions League spot as well, you have West Ham. And Man United, that game on Sunday as part of match day 23. Everton plays Tottenham to kick it off Saturday at 7.30 here in the States, 12.30 over in England. You have Brighton Crystal Palace, Newcastle Luton, and what could be a pretty interesting match with Luton on the form that they're on right now. Burnley Fulham, Sheffield United, and Villa face one another. That game closes out the Saturday window on Sunday. You have United West Ham. Chelsea Wolves, Bournemouth, and Nottingham Forest. Obviously, the main event, Arsenal-Liverpool. And then at 8 o'clock, Monday Night Football, you'll have Brentford and Man City. I assume Arsenal and Liverpool will be the one that gets the most attention here. Yeah, I think that's the understatement, Mike. Um, I mean, we didn't really talk about Liverpool's performance all that much. And I know Stu Kovacs would, of course, want to be going in on that. So I'll do my best to fill in as best as I can. But um Liverpool were sensational against yeah. Chelsea. I mean, yeah. when when we talked about the fact that the top four teams held serve at home, not only was that the preview of the EFL Cup final to come at the end of February, but oh my days, Liverpool should have probably had 10 with the amount of Darwin Nunez crossbar posts missing narrowly wide. But yet, I mean, Chelsea get one through in Kunku, which I mean, he's probably going to be the, the lone bright spot for the second half of the season for that club. But Liverpool look like the team right now that I, I highlighted in the last show. Could they be playing the whole win one for the Gipper type thing and for Klopp on a send off, get the Premier League? 
if there's any need for a little extra juice right now, you go to the Emirates and try and knock off Arteta, who, you know, let's face it against Forrest, they were good enough, but they weren't spectacular by any stretch of the imagination. That's kind of how Arsenal's been over the last couple of years. Good enough, but not getting the job done. Um, I think this is one, if Liverpool really wants to put their flag down and say, this is now our league to lose, not City's league to lose, Right. This is where you go get three points. And if you play like that, and we're seeing even some of the young lads come through for Liverpool and put on quite a show. Um, the second goal, Connor Bradley. I mean, sensational. Again, he, he's great. He got a nine plus rating in that match. Jota looked in like Jota form. Sabasly, he's just been kind of that engine that's run that midfield. Um yeah, I mean, Sobersai has kind of been what they thought McAllister was going to be. Exactly, and that's crazy. If you can get McAllister to kind of take it up a couple of notches, all of a sudden, yeah. oof, that's a scary looking midfield. I mean, obviously Liverpool had the front three that was dangerous, but that midfield might be as tough to crack now than trying to stop that front three. So yeah, I mean, this is um, that's going to be the big one. Um, but as you also said, you, you wanted to talk about your Luton boys a little bit, and I will back that one up. I think that could be the the big surprise of the weekend. I think yeah. Luton have a realistic shout. Newcastle have not really strung matches together. I think Luton go up north and not just come away with a point. I think they actually get all three, especially with Adebayo getting a hat trick on the weekend. We've already seen Chris Wood do it up there, so let's see someone else go get three. Yeah, that would be a, a huge result for Luton. Love the form that they're on right now. Absolutely love watching that team. And uh, the just the, the period that I want to kind of put on that, that Liverpool match that we talked about that happened against Chelsea. Um, can you tell me what – and I'm someone who loved Pochettino. I thought he was unjustly fired at Spurs. I think his career has been a dumpster fire since then. Uh, could you tell me what position Cole Palmer was playing in that game? Is this a rhetorical question? Because I don't have an answer. Uh, yes, it is a rhetorical question. Okay, that's good. literally – everywhere on the field and felt like he played every single position and they have him starting at the one he shouldn't be playing, which is center forward. So that Chelsea thing just continues to be a mess for Poach's sake. I hope he's able to win that EFL cup because the, if not, that's going to be one and done in London. The fact that he's actually stuck around this long is even surprising in and of its own yeah. right. I mean, yeah. obviously this is not Abramovich era. This is Todd Bowley era, but if Todd Bowley has splashed that much cash and you haven't gotten the results, I'm a little shocked that he's still around. But, you know, that they've almost creeped into that that phase of irrelevant to not be talked about mid-table. Yeah. yeah. And for Liverpool, the, the amazing thing is they're, they're only just now starting to get, you know, some members of their team back because they were away at AFCON. You know, Mo Salah still didn't even play in that game because he was still with Egypt and well, he, time, yeah, the hamstring injury that he picked up as well. That's right. 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 Yeah. And you know, AFCON is still going that tournament still affecting some of the premier league teams right now, but uh, AFCON is usually good for chaos and 2024 has not disappointed. Oh, you want me to do this again? Here we go. We set the scene. Oh, I did this <laughs> last show. You, you, you weren't here for this. So I, I went on a, 
absolute massive tangent about that competition. It's been phenomenal to watch. I mean, obviously for here in America on the East Coast, it's perfect watching time. If you have work to do in the middle of the day and you flip it on a side, you know, side screen, it's uh, exactly what you want. But yeah, here we go. So quarterfinals get going this weekend, Mike, and we have eight teams that were not in the quarterfinals last time around a couple of years ago, which is unbelievably chaotic um, did any I, of the teams that fired their coach in the middle of the tournament make it through <laughs> no <laughs> okay because I, I know they said there were a couple that might oh, make it through oh, even though they fired well, their ivory, coaches ivory coast yes they did make it through have they like really fired their coach no one actually knows again the beauty of the competition afcon afcon for you baby um so nigeria hosts angola dr congo and that's the same Congo that knocked off Egypt in penalties, 8-7, that got to the goalies, which is amazing in and of itself. Um, they take on Guinea. Then on Saturday of Mali taking on Ivory Coast, and then kind of everybody's sweetheart of the tournament, Cape Verde, Cabo Verde, takes on South Africa, who might have had the biggest surprise of them all. They knocked off 13th-ranked Morocco, who were supposed to be the favorites, along with Senegal, to win the competition. Yeah, South World Africa, Cup quarterfinalist. Yeah, South Africa are turning back the clock. They're, this is probably some of the best football that country has played in a long old time, and it's come at the right time. Um, yeah, that's going to be a fun round of matches. And also, let's not forget as well, Asia Cup is going on with that great story of Tajikistan who have never made a major competition of any sort. Not only did they get out of their group, but they knocked off UAE in the round of 16. They're going to get Jordan. But the matchup that everybody kind of wants to see, well, two of them, Iran, Japan, for teams that made the last World Cup, but Australia and South Korea. That's yeah. going to be on Friday. That's in the middle of the day, East Coast time. So perfect viewing. Australia absolutely crushed indonesia by four goals to nil and then mike i think this is a story that we've heard once or twice before key player saves jurgen klinsman's job yeah that happened for <laughs> south korea <laughs> um because you had um cho gusung or uh Gusung Cho for the uh, Western interpretation scores in the ninth minute of stoppage time to keep South Korea in that match against Saudi Arabia. They win in penalties. So yeah, those two teams going off. I'd love to see that. And the other quarterfinals, Qatar, Uzbekistan. So chaos. Love those midseason internationals. Yeah, it, it is. It is so much fun. And obviously this has nothing to do with the national team. But the one of the last minute kind of transfer rumors floating around out there, it's like Jesse Lingard is going to be heading to South Korea and playing for FC Seoul. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that I do was a know report that... that was on Sky that's come out while we've been on air. I know that some countries, they, they have longer windows. Mm hmm. Huh. Well, this continues to have, you know, some things that go on with the players that are playing in you know, countries that are not completely uh, fulfilling all their obligations, I think is the right way of probably putting it. And I know Lingard hasn't, he was linked with playing in, you know, the Middle East for a while. Yeah. Linked with and, Saudi trained with West Ham and, you know, some Turkish teams were, were in on him as well. But yeah, the, the rumor that was mentioned on sky, it looks like that uh, Jesse Lingard may be headed to FC Seoul. Good for him. In the man. meantime, that will do it for us for this edition of Box to Box Football. Keep your eyes out for a couple things. Make sure you follow us on all of the social medias at Box to Box Football all through 
Instagram, all through X, and more importantly than following us on social media, make sure you keep an eye out for Leon's statement about what happened with Sayad Ben Rama because something tells me that's going to be more interesting than anything we've said in the last 32 minutes or so. Dodgy facts machines I'm telling you. <laughs> that is the title of this here episode of Box to Box Football. Dodgy facts machines. That is JJ Duke. My name is Mike Samso. We'll be back with you on Tuesday following match day 23 to catch you up on all the action and everything else that we love in this crazy, crazy world of football. Until then, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time here on Box to Box Football.